Cinder acknowledges and pays respects to the owners of the land the House of Sin and Studios stand on, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. Sin also acknowledges and pays respects to the elders and traditional owners of the lands our content reaches, as well as the radio stations we broadcast from across the country. So, so, so scandalous. Anticipating something. Talking about the dance in your pants. You're listening to The Naughty Rude Show, Sin's home of sexuality, identity and relationships on Sin Nation. Hey, you're listening to The Naughty Rude Show. My name is Eve and we've got a big show coming up today. We're talking about femininity and masculinity and school and cheating and like just generally like identities and identities are interesting and we're also talking pickup lines because pickup lines are fun <laughs> and just like sexual tension yeah lots of fun stuff and we'll also be answering a bunch of questions from the tumblr which uh you can find at the naughty root show.tumblr.com slash ask you can also dm us on facebook just search for the naughty rude show and we also have twitter which is the which is naughty rude um but yeah so tonight you're i i'm one of your hosts hello my name is eve i'm 24 i'm trans feminine and i'm bisexual uh my pronouns are she hers or they theirs and i'm also polyamorous and one of my partners is also on the show. Again, like last week. Yes. Um, I'm Abby. I'm 22. I'm feminine, non-binary person um, and identify as pansexual. My pronouns are she, her, and they, them. And I am Dana. And thank you for coming and tuning back into our show. We were all on the show last week and we're so excited to be here with you. I am cis, female, identifying and happy. thought i'd throw that in there we've got plenty to talk about uh today we're so excited to have you with us do stay tuned for now we've got your love by sasquatch that was your love by sasquatch you're listening to the naughty rude show with evie abby and dana and first uh, topic that we're going to be talking about today is a very very broad one and can turn into a huge discussion what is masculinity and femininity what it is what does it mean this is a i think a very one that is very prominent is mm. talked about in today's media, in today's households. I know it's one that I bring up with passion over the dinner table and there are lots of different, um, I guess, opinions in my household. What do you guys yeah. reckon? I, um, with masculine, like, I've always, if I'm using the words masculinity and femininity, I do try and be very precise with it just because it's of how I use them and in how relation to my own identity. So, you know, I tend to use masculinity and femininity almost within a frame of, like, this is what is, like, socially understood or yep. socially expected. So, like, masculinity is what we socially expect to be things that, like, men aspire to and possess or... Femininity is things that women aspire to and possess, like in terms of like qualities and interests and values and appearance. And Do you think that's the way it anything. should be? The way it should be defined? 
that's basically like that's how I've used those words, and it's literally just like but the way that I'm normally using those words is like, hey. I'm describing my own gender, my own sexuality, or my own understandings of things, which are, you know, also then shaped by being trans, by being a non-binary person who doesn't completely identify as female or male or really with... Those constructs. Yeah, Yeah. with that Mm -hmm. kind of binary gender. So, yeah, it kind of become and there's a lot of history even on that front in terms of like just queer understandings of masculinity and femininity where there's like there's a whole school of academic thought <laughs> it's just like yeah you could be you can spend several books defining masculinity or femininity and several people have <laughs> mm. yeah like for me it's a lot different because like i'm non-binary so i just see it like actually kind of very similar to how uv sees it where it's an aspect of my own gender where it's like i have masculine things i'm into or do and i have feminine stuff that i'm into or do and i do lean more towards the feminine side but like traditionally when you talk about masculinity like i'm into cars and doing stuff with cars which is seen as a very masculine thing to be into yeah Mm. Mm. Which, to be honest, really, really annoys me. <laughs> that yes. yeah. There are so many things that seem to be defined by the construct of masculine or construct of feminine. Yeah. You know, and we can't, you know, if um, I, for example, am like super duper into rock climbing mm. and a lot of people are so surprised that... Oh, that's oh, such a dude thing. Yeah, you go like, climbing. Really? Oh, that's rock really climbing? amazing. Or yeah. like rock climbing? Like, yeah, <laughs> so what? Yeah, in my experience, it's been the opposite like where like I view that as like yes it it's like a exercise thing and like it's very like you know a lot of people will be like oh anybody that's into that that's a girl is a butch lesbian or something like that but like in my experience most of the people I know that have done it have been extremely feminine people (laughs) yeah it's and that's the weird thing with constructs of just like femininity and masculinity or it's just like everyone's got such different understanding Mm. and honestly it's something where I think most people can just get behind the yeah why does it matter I agree with that (laughs) let's talk about but at the same time I'm somebody who where I'm like it's very important because of how it shaped my own understanding of my myself it's very it's it's a double sided coin. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Like, what if we look at it in terms of like, do we have specific examples? Um, Abby, you mentioned that you're a super duper into cars, so mm. people have sort of considered that a very masculine interest, I guess. Yeah, and like, what other things? Um, then, like, you s- like on the topic of like with cars, and like when you see it in media when like uh, there's a show on Foxtel, I think that's like girls' garage or something, and everything's pink. And yes, fluffy or something like that, and it's like it's not how it so is. It's like, no. it's like they need to take the edge off to make it palatable to people. It's just the oh yeah, we're gonna blow your mind. There's some girls into cars, but they're still into pink and wear lots of makeup and have otherwise very stereotypically feminine interests and presentation, and they're all cis, straight, white women because 
anything else. It's just like, no, we've done the one thing that's pushing the boundaries. Mm. Actually, I saw The Incredibles 2 last night. I won't give away any spoilers, but I saw it at the movies and it um, there is a, a huge sort of identity crisis that the father has because he turns into a stay-at-home dad. And how there's so many things that he says that suggest that he doesn't think his wife can go out and be the primary um, money earner or breadwinner, mm. I guess. Yeah. So he has yeah. that identity crisis in that film. And I thought that was very interesting that they brought that up through, you know, a, so to speak, a child's cartoon and how these uh, ide- ideologies are really making their way into mainstream film and media. Yeah, it's yeah. it's interesting because it is it is interesting to see how, like, the cultural understanding of, like, masculinity and femininity has changed. Yeah. Because, you know, 50 years ago, that would have been the, hey, here's this movie about this guy whose, you know, wife's going to go work and he's the stay-at-home dad and the conclusion would probably be... I've reasserted my masculinity by either beating people up or getting a job. Yeah, it wouldn't be... Like, I don't know what the conclusion is. I haven't seen The Incredibles 2, but, like, yeah, it wouldn't have any new... Like, a lot of the nuance that you're going to see in a similar plot. Exactly, today. yeah. Mm. And it's it was very empowering to see because there were so many mm. values that were brought up that... Um, you know, as a female, that we're kind of breaking these boundaries now, finally. And there was even a um, an ad for a film that's coming out, like a sequel to Wreck-It Ralph, and it's called, mm. like, Wreck- uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet or something, mm. and it, this little girl, they go into the internet, there's all this big cartoon thing, mm. and this girl meets, it's a Disney film, and this little girl meets all these Disney princesses, and one of the Disney princesses says this line to her. It's something along the lines of, have you been um, forced to believe that, you know, a big, strong man is going to come and save you too? And she turns around and pretty much says, yeah, fuck that shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> we can save ourselves. And finally, these, you know, these different mentalities of cartoons are bringing this mm. idea forward for, like, the next generation of kids mm. that, you know, you don't need to be saved by a Prince Charming. You're your own mm. fucking Prince Charming, and guess what? You're a princess! Like, <laughs> I feel strongly about this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is it is such a huge topic, but, yeah, it is interesting just talking about, like, how much is shaped by your childhood as well. Completely. Like, Completely. Yeah. Um, yeah, whether that's, like, a, a huge part of it's obviously going to be parents and their attitudes... And then, yeah, what you learn in school about, hey, this is what, like, especially, like, schools, yeah, we're going to move on to, you know, school more broadly, but just, like, briefly just think about, like, the differences in how you teachers or how, yeah, you know, the, the, the adults at your school might have worked, like, approached boys and girls differently. Or even if you grow up um, and your parents are in a same-sex relationship or that kind of thing and how these different um, attitudes that you're brought up with shape who you are today. Yeah. Mm. So we'll have a bit of a chat uh, after the next song about, you know, schools and culture and how different, yeah, upbringings, I guess, shape who we are and our masculine, feminine identities. Yeah. Um, yeah, right now we're going to cut to another song. This is another one of my cheesy punk songs that I've been bringing in. <laughs> this is a song by Leftover Crack called Gay Rude Boys Unite. Just a heads up, there might be some cussing in this show. And we just heard On the Regular by Shamir, who's really cool. 
like queer musician who talks a lot about gender roles and that kind of stuff. Plus, banger. Really, really relevant (laughs) and an absolute banger. Um, But... Yeah, uh, going on from what we were discussing before the break um, with masculinity and femininity, we're going to move on to how our schools affect our social circle upbringing and the kind of way we view, like, the way people act around us. And so to start off that, I'm going to use one of these questions here. (laughs) Did you go to a single-sex or co-ed school? I went to a single-sex school, an all-girls school, and I think it's completely uh, just shaped the way that I, I guess, initially acted around people when I left high school. It shaped the way that I first started to interact with, um, because I'm interested in men, when I first mm. started to interact with guys. So, mm. you know, I, we had a, um, a brother school who we did musicals with, and that was my first mm. sort of... I guess interaction on a sexual level with guys and yeah it was kind of like the new hot thing was to be in the musical <laughs> and it was it's really funny that we talk about masculinity femininity and doing musicals and shows for guys is very um mm. socially maybe demasculating but that was how for their school because it was an all boys school it was the thing to do because yeah, that's, like, how, that's you how, how you would meet the girls that's how you yeah. get people to do the musical so if you sing and dance <laughs> you get girls so that was yeah and the footy team got none so um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a really interesting concept it made being in the musical or doing plays cool yeah mm. that is really interesting like because I went to a co-ed school yes a Catholic co-ed school but one which it had been a old boys school until the mid nineties. Yeah, and that was still super reflected in a lot of how the school went around. Went about mm-hmm. gendered, gendered things. Like it's just like, hey, we've got a whole bunch of special like sports events like that are competing with other schools. Oh, they're all against old boys schools. And they're all boys mm. events and we've kind of tried to make like That's events but there's not as many and you know they don't have like a history to them and yeah like there was lots of weird little things like that where it's still very obvious like it had been shaped by being an all boys school yes but, mm. yeah at the same time I'm like I'm very glad the fact I went to co-ed school especially because yeah, like, I had some idea that I was trans by the time I was about 15 and wouldn't have been that comfortable if it was just like, oh, I'm around a lot of dudes every day. Mm, I imagine that would have been very confronting had it been a sex yeah. sex school. Yeah, where it was just like, a, hey, I'm around girls a lot. I've got lots of friends who are girls. They're not some weird foreign concept to yeah, me who I get to interact with worlds. once a year for mm. whatever event the school puts on and then get dumped into the world at 18 and be like, how do I talk to women? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mm. And especially I think that feels a lot of, like, you meet a lot of guys who are kind of at that point, like late teens, early 20s, who are very... Socially like, awkward around girls, yeah, yes. Yeah, they're terrified of women. Yep, yeah. and, and same yeah. vice versa as well. Yeah. Very timid. Mm. And quite frequently use that either 
you know, it's either the justification for I'm super misogynistic because women won't pay attention to me or it's the, oh, I can't get a date so I'm just going to be a shut-in and just not have mm. much of a social life whatsoever and then really struggle to develop that later on. Like, mm. that's just kind of been my experience with people I've known growing yeah. up where I'm just like, I, I've never thought that it would seemed very healthy. No. What about like, that notion of growing up in... I also grew up in a Catholic school, so that notion of these, you know, being surrounded by people who all are in the same faith and maybe believe the same thing, I think that it has a huge impact on the ideas that, you know, you're taught and things that are sort of... Not, I don't want to say yeah. put in your head. <laughs> now I would say put in your head. Then I guess I wouldn't. <laughs> but, yeah, this idea of you being taught a whole set of values or something mm. that is possibly different to a different group of young people at a different college being taught a different yeah, group of values. Definitely. Like, yeah. I, it was interesting because it was a Catholic school where I went, but also the student body wasn't that Catholic. It was just, mm. it was also like, hey, this is one of the early schools in the area that, you know, you're only kind of likely to be sold drugs. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, rather than very likely. Like, you know, a lot of people went there because it just had an impression amongst parents as being a slightly better school. And okay. it wasn't a yeah. particularly expensive mm. school. Yeah, see. So for me, until year three, I went to a Catholic primary school because it was the closest primary school to my house. It was like a walk across the local park and then mm. you're at the school. Um, my family is very definitely not Catholic, although my mum does have some sort of Catholic views and like views when it comes to like um, homosexuality and being transgender and all that. Um but, yeah, a lot of the bullying or stuff like that that I got at um, primary school was to do with the fact that I wasn't Catholic. Okay. Yeah. Like, I was the kind of the... The apostate. <laughs> the, I was going to say... The heathen. Yeah, the heathen, yeah. But um, it's interesting that you say that proximity and convenience was a factor in where you went to school. Yeah. So um, that's sort but, of things that we can take into consideration when... Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, I think it's more common um, in the suburbs. Like, I, I feel like with, like, only speaking from um, external, like, other people's experiences, rural people tend to want to travel, uh, willing to travel further for school, especially primary school. Mm -hmm. Like, I changed schools in year four um, and stayed at that school until year nine, and that was a uniting church school. Um, so it was a lot better because they were much more open with people that weren't religious mm -hmm. they taught about other faiths um including islam and all and so faiths that are generally not taught by catholic or christian schools because it's kind of like oh they're the weird ones yeah, yeah. kind of yeah it was interesting because yeah like most school is very hey yeah we're gonna pay lip service to like, hey, we want you to be accepting and, like, learn about different religions and that kind of thing. But at the same time, 
it was very... You know, it wasn't the kind of school where they'd clamp down if, like, a, if there was some kid being rampantly, like, you know, either religiously, you know, biased or, you know, just very much... You know, it was the kind of school where you'd get physically, you know, beaten up and that kind Ooh, of thing goodness. for being an <laughs> openly queer person. Um... I will, at this point, just feel like, uh, if this is a bit heavy, um, you know, you can call Beyond Blue, and that's one three hundred twenty two forty six thirty six. 2246 Kids Helpline's one three hundred five five eighteen hundred. 1800 1800 Yeah. At the start? Yeah. Um, and there's also Lifeline, which is one three one 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 four. Okay, I'm struggling to read the numbers. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I have a question for you guys then. How much do you think that your upbringing or your who you've been surrounded by in your upbringing has shaped who you are today? It's a heavy question. Um, have a think on it. <laughs> yeah, for me, like as I said, I went to I changed schools again in year nine, and that year nine church school. I, I don't feel like it really shaped who I am. Like, was it a co-ed school? Yeah, it was a co-ed school. Um, and it, it's because it was such a small school, I never got the opportunity to kind of think, oh, maybe I'm different because, like, the people that were queer or weren't really mask or weren't really femme just kind of hid those feelings because there was only 30 or so, so of was, us. Yeah, quite tiny. Yeah. Um, but then, like, year 10 to year 12, it was a much bigger school. So the groups you hung out with were, like... Even before I worked out that I was queer, I was hanging with people who then turned out to be queer as well, uh, and like that helped me work that out. So, like the second school that I went to for high school is really the one that shaped mm-hmm. who I am. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's interesting for me because I'm like, I, you know, where I school wasn't a place where there were, like, not many people were out as queer. Those who were out, uh, you know, cis, gay and lesbian people. Um, I was outed as bisexual in year 12, and... Not yourself, somebody else. No, like, somebody else... Tagged you with that, yeah. Yeah, outed me. Um, you know, and it wasn't a place where... There was really any opportunity to learn anything about, you know, sexuality, let alone gender, mm-hmm. other than a very, very like narrow kind of, this is the boys and the girls, and then the boys like to do the boys things yes, and the girls so things, true. and, like, we still had segregate, like, our sports class was, classes were segregated by gender. Mm. Like, what, well, the, the girls can't like the girls and boys can't play fucking soccer together. <laughs> yeah. Like it does seem it very was ludicrous. Very, very it? traditional mm. gender roles rigidly enforced and that honestly is something I think it's still informed today. I, yeah. And yeah. so many schools. Yeah, and that's something that really like was not good for me. That's something that I don't I've think it's had, good for I any of us. No, no, definitely not. 
And I think um, it's really important to mention that during adolescence, we all go through these crises of identity and you're bullying or whatever yeah, yeah. Le- level it is. So there's so many heightened emotions that mm. having to deal with a, a sort of a, a gender crisis where you're kind of maybe feel like you don't fit in on top of mm. that, mm. I think is just, it should be, uh, have a higher education level in schools about Definitely. gender. It's, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, there are all, like, motions to kind of fix that as well. But it is, yeah, it's very interesting. Um, We are going to move on to a song. But first, uh, we've got a poll up on the Twitter. And is on Facebook as well. Yep. Yep. Uh, What's the poll question? Uh, (laughs) Did your school demographics affect your social circle? Yes or no? Um, And... Keep listening. Uh, up next, we're going to be talking about cheating. Yeah, and uh, if you want to weigh in with anything we've spoken about today, you can send us a message on the Tumblr. Got a question? Hit us up at the thenaughtyrootshow.tumblr.com forward slash ask. That was If This Tour Doesn't Kill You and DVP by PUP. A bit of a double song that's also a single song. Whoa, 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 what? <laughs> <laughs> We are going to be chatting next up on The Naughty Rude. Thank you for tuning in, everybody who is out there listening. Um, We are going to be talking about cheating in relationships. And I think this was an interesting one to bring up because I thought we'd hit it off with each of us defining how we view cheating because I think that is a huge factor in, I guess, the notion itself because Mm. one person can have one idea of it and someone say it's something different. So, Abby, do you want to hit things off? Ooh, it's it's hard. Like me to like in the past, it's been really easy for me to define it because in the past I was monogamous. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm in polyamorous relationship, it's like, oh, what actually is it? <laughs> yes, <laughs> and it's like for me, it's like not communicating that hey, there's a new person I'm seeing, or hey, I'm going to be going on a date with someone on this day um like i think that's like in in any relationship it's like the lack of communication that kind of turns it into cheating yeah yeah it's an interesting thing too because it's like hey we're both polyamorous we're in a relationship with each other we both have different things with like what we consider cheating because like i'm very i don't care you know, what somebody else is doing, if they're my partner, like, I don't have any, like, if if they want to tell me, hey, I'm going on a date with someone, like, really cool. Uh, if, if they were just like, hey, I really want to, like, you know, I want to tell you about, like, my relationship stuff with someone else, I'm just like, oh, excellent. If they come out of nowhere and just like, I've been dating this person for, like, three months now, and I've never heard about it before, I'm like... All right, awesome. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's more of a just about the only thing that like would get to me is a yeah. You know, hey, I've been doing this thing sexually, which has ended in you being exposed to a sexually transmitted okay you know, disease. Yeah, so like, something that puts you at yeah, risk. something that's putting mm. me at risk, or otherwise like a hey, I'm dating this person. They have views that you would find politically and socially repulsive, like, 
yeah, kind of a yeah. That and even then, like to me, that's not really cheating. That's just well, I don't really want to date you anymore. If you want to, yeah, date okay, a so yeah, Nazi mm. or, yeah. Mm. so it gives you grounds to sort of break up. Yeah, you're... it's it's one of those things where it's like. Yeah, even then, like, none of these things I would consider cheating. I don't really, like, for me personally, within, like, how I have relationships, I don't really consider anything cheating. Yeah. But Mm. I do acknowledge the the fact that most of my partners do have things they consider cheating. And they're different for every partner. Yeah, for sure. Mine's completely different because I've only been in monogamous relationships, Mm, so mine would be... Um, physically or emotionally having in like intimate relations with someone else whilst mm. I'm dating them. Mm. So our producer Jules is going to be telling us some definitions of Oh no, that's for a different segment, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really confused. <laughs> I think you need another coffee. Yes, I really do on our Sunday night. <laughs> do you guys have any um Abby, you had a story about... <laughs> yeah, it's from a while ago now. Um, and so we were in a monogamous relationship, yeah. sort of. It was like one of those like open relationships, but it was very much like, well, we didn't really discuss it properly and like none of us pursued it, at least I thought none of us pursued mm-hmm. it until... Um, We'd been dating for a few months at this point. Um, And it turned out that there was a house party that I didn't go to because the person whose house party it was, I really don't get along with. So I didn't go, and it turns out that at this party, uh, my partner at the time slept with someone. Mm -hmm. Um, And then somehow tried to blame me for it. What?! Yeah, um, because oh, it wouldn't have happened if you went to the house party. So guilt tripping you into, yeah. Yeah, and then I was like, oh, okay, so it is like I believed it was my fault and stayed together. No, with that's him awful. For a few that's more manipulation. months. Yeah, and then I kind of saw the light, the, of the light um, <laughs> and ended things, and yeah. It was oh, it was actually the same partner I mentioned last week about uh, randomly messaging me a few months later, being like, "Hey, so I found a couple of pairs of your underwear. Do you want them?" Oh yeah, no, that old you. mate. Yeah. <laughs> well, each of you, each of us have different definitions of cheating, I guess. Abby, do you think that if yours is you know not communicating what you and your partner are doing with each other and mm. with another partner, do you think that it's forgivable or no? Um, yes, because it, like, it isn't a polyamorous thing and, like, if you're not sure, like, if you're not really sure something's actually going to ever lead somewhere, like, I don't think you really need to communicate that part. It's like, hey, this is just going to be a one-night stand sort of thing. I'm like, I don't really need to know that sort of side of things. But if it's going to be a date that could lead to romantic stuff, then I'd prefer to know about it so I can be like, oh, cool, kind of thing. Yeah, there's a big difference between, oh, yeah, so, like, that party that I went to last night, I made out with someone, and, like, hey, yeah, so the, I, I went on a date with somebody who I met on Tinder, and, 
Um, we're going to go get coffee again next week, and they're really lovely, and I've been talking to them a lot and getting a lot of emotional support, and I haven't told you until now. Like, mm. <laughs> there is I think a big emotional difference. investment is, we're finding a huge defining mm. factor here. Yeah. Which I think is huge, because in a lot of films and things, we often see it cheating as, I guess, a physical trait yeah, or a yeah. physical activity, ac- action. Mm. Yeah. Whereas I think emotional cheating is worse. Yeah. If not as bad. Yeah. yeah. So I think, yeah. I think it's interesting the way that, you know, if in a film or in Hollywood it's often seen as, oh, you'll go home with someone else or blah, blah, blah. But I think yeah. really having an emotional investment in someone else and getting support from someone else can be worse because you know that they're, they have a connection with someone who isn't you. Mm. Yeah, it can it can be tricky there too though cuz like someone could have like their best friend who you know helps them with uh, emotional stuff that could be stuff from a partner who like you know they had an argument and stuff like that so mm, they get a lot true. of that emotional support through that. There are so many blurred lines here. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so many different layers. <laughs> Hmm. Oh, it's, it's it's ultimately something where oh, it, it it seems like very like oh, but what exactly is it? And then it's just like also you you know you know it when you say it. Yeah, Ooh. I think that it's it doesn't matter <laughs> what it is to you. Whether uh, we've obviously all defined cheating as something different. Mm. As mm. long as your definition somewhat aligns with your partner's. Because if that doesn't happen... I know if if I was dating someone and they thought that sleeping with someone else wasn't cheating, then I'd be Mm. like, get out of my bed. (laughs) So I think if it aligns in your relationship with your partner or your partner's, then I think then you've got a green light. Mm. Otherwise, Mm. I think there's going to be issues. Ultimately, yeah, it's something that you can negotiate and communicate as a part of your relationship, it's mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And along the way, it's there's nothing wrong with going. Hey, I've been talking to this person a lot for yeah, and we talk about some pretty heavy stuff sometimes. Is that something you've got a problem with? Yeah, like is that something you're okay with? Yeah, it just takes a conversation, yeah. really. Or even if it's just like just a reassurance, like hey, I know I spent a lot of time with this person. This is a platonic thing, and this is how this works, and this is why it works. Like, that's a reassurance that's always very welcome and very nice. So, communication is key, I think we've established. Yeah. Yeah, the, the answer to a lot of things. Absolutely. <laughs> We're going to throw to a little song now. This is called Awful Things by Lil Peep. You're listening to The Naughty Rude Show on Sin Nation with Evie, Abby and Dana. Need someone to talk to? You can contact the National Sexual Assault and Domestic Violence Counselling Service at 1800RESPECT. That's 1800-737-732. So I wanted to talk about a a little uh, story that I had to start us off. (laughs) Sorry, we're just giggling in the studio because um, we're trying to work things out whilst not talking. Um, (laughs) Well, I had a friend who's just come back um, from overseas for a little while and she uh, she left in a... Uh, relationship with a guy and she came back not in that relationship but while she was overseas she started seeing a girl for the first time and having feelings for a girl so we just wanted to talk about identity in relation to 
I guess we we talked a little bit about having identity and different sort of aspects of our lives and different scenarios. I know I just came back from a big overseas trip um, last year and I had a whole year away and essentially I moved universities and I caught, I loved that feeling of sort of being able to start fresh and no one knew me so I could be whoever I wanted to be. So let's talk about identity in relation to having different identities in different aspects of our lives or having diff- maybe places that we feel more comfortable with mm. how we define ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, see, for me, I'm going to approach this uh, with that I have kind of two kind of basic identities. One's based around my gender and the other one's based around my sexuality. Um, and right now I'm completely comfortable with both, but in the past, obviously working out with who I am, I wasn't super comfortable. Um, like I became really comfortable with my sexuality, uh, really quickly until I realized that I was trans and then it took me years to work out what my sexuality actually was. And I came back to the same point that I started off with being <laughs> I'm pan after several yeah yeah and that's something like I think that's fairly common mm. people who are trans especially people who are non-binary where mm. it's kind of the oh like yeah I kind of had the oh I'm bi oh and then like kind of, yeah oh hang on I'm trans oh, is it, like, is my attraction to women just, like, I want to be them? Or, actually, no, is my is my attraction to men just, like, I'm expecting myself to, like, be attracted to men because, like, I actually, like, identify with, like, womanhood a lot more? Can you identify really this, quickly yeah. um, non-binary for uh, Alice? So, rather, being? yeah, like, being trans, like, yeah, so trans people, you know, are people who aren't the gender that, that they were, yeah, assigned at birth. And being non-binary is, you know, you're not purely male or female. Like, so for me, it's like, you know, I was assigned male at birth and I don't identify with that, but also I don't identify 100% as I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. For me, it's very, you know, like, I identify with womanhood. That's a thing that is a big part of me, but it's not... Not like 100% there. Yeah. It's not just like, I'm a woman. It's a... I identify with, like, being a woman, but it's not 100% of the way there for me personally. And, like, for me, that's a thing that's important for me to identify. Some people might feel that, and it's just like, yeah, but I'm still a woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's perfectly fine. Gender is a complex rainbow, and... I like that description. Yeah. Mm. A complex rainbow. Yeah, you know, like, when it's raining and it's kind of, like, cloudy, but there's also <laughs> some sun and it's, like, there's all all of the different things going on. And it's yeah. complex. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so having that kind of experience of putting a lot together, you know, you, you question everything about your sexuality as well because you're mm. like, hmm. So, you know, it seemed like an identity I was very settled into as, like, I'm bisexual. And then I went all around the clock trying different things and thinking about different things. Then I came right back to, I'm bisexual. Yeah, <laughs> see, for me also, I had the whole thing of, uh, I went for a spout of being like, I'm ace. 
And all that turned out to be was just kind of the aftermath of a really bad abusive relationship kind of making me weird, like, repuse by sex. Like, yeah. so to the point of feeling ace until, like, I was like, What do you oh. mean by ace? Oh, so asexual. asexual yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and then for a bit I was like, oh, wait, no, I'm just aromantic but still quite sexual and, like, pansexual. And now I've moved to be I'm panromantic and pansexual. Um, yeah, so, like, with that, previous experiences even can really skew the way you view yourself, mm-hmm. especially abusive experiences, I unfortunately. Agree with that. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Or emotionally manipulative relationships can have mm. a huge impact on how you view yourself or your self-confidence even. Yeah. So that defining how you view yourself. Yeah, um, yeah I'm going to just jump in. And if this is troubling you and is triggering in any way, uh, reach out um, to so the National Sexual Assault and Domestic Violence Cancelling Service is you can reach them on one eight hundred respect. Um, we also have Beyond Blue, which is one three hundred double two four six three six. The Kids Helpline one eight hundred double five one eight hundred, and Lifeline, which is one three double one one four. It's, yeah, interesting talking about kind of identity as well and comfort in identities because it's kind of a, yeah, I'm not sure if this is everyone's experience. I've always felt like I have a whole bunch of identities. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I agree with that completely. The, like, right now there's Eve, the, um, like, ambitious but inexperienced person looking for a job in industry that is not exactly known for featuring a lot of trans people or women or queer people or just anyone that's not a straight white dude. Mm. Um, you know, and I'm also Eve, the person who is awkwardly going through something on Sin Nation right now. <laughs> and, like, yeah, I'm like... Yeah, everyone I know through sin is going to have a very different understanding of me and perceive me very differently. And I've got my own differences in how I'm identifying myself to somebody I meet at sin compared with somebody I'm having a job interview with. Maybe it's different. Mm. Maybe we all have this... We have... Okay, I'm just trying to deal with this in my head right now. (laughs) I reckon that we have one identity, but we show different aspects of that based on where we are or who we're with or... Um, for example, if I'm at work, I'm going to give off a more professional manner as compared to when I'm bumming around at home with my mates, eating popcorn and watching films. Yeah. Or um, when I was overseas, I spent a whole year over there and I didn't know how to navigate this whole new life, living on campus with mm. all these new people who had such a diff- different culture to me that I would bring out different aspects of my personality. So I guess different aspects of my identity based on where I was. I joined a lot of theatre, different drama groups, whereas that was way different to when I was doing hiking with the Hiking Society. So different aspects of my identity sort of came into their own in different scenarios and depending on who I was with. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Yeah, I'm kind of imagining like a... a, a, 
massively complicated Venn diagram. Yeah. Eight different circles. <laughs> like a where they're spider all web, like, yeah, yeah. Of all different. Mm. Yeah, and there's lots of different bits of crossover. Bits of us, yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's, yeah, it is very interesting because, yeah, it's, that's probably a really good way to think about it because I'm just like, yeah, I think that's very common for somebody to have lots of different parts of their life where they don't cross over that often. Mm-hmm. And where you probably behave very differently. Mm. And, yeah, it can be kind of hard to reconcile those at points. Do you think that we discover more about our own identities through experimentation or through experiences? How do you think we sort of discover these new facets of ourselves? Yeah, I I guess it's anything that makes you think about yourself. Yeah, if it's talking to people or it's doing things or it's looking in the mirror and playing with your appearance, if it's reading something which you just go, oh, that actually affected me more than I thought it did. So something that has an emotional effect on ourselves or self-reflection. Yeah, I think, yeah, self-reflection. Notion of self-reflection. But in a very broad kind of way where I think a lot of the time you're not even aware of it. Yeah, true, until you look back on it. Hindsight's an amazing thing I've come to learn. (laughs) Gives us so much detail and so much... I think that's where I think that we grow, is when you look back on something. You're right, Evie, that it's this having an experience that is reflective of yourself, but then only when you look back at it, you realise how much you've changed or how much you've really come into your own. Yeah, like, you know, you'll go do something because, hey, that sounds fun, and then you get home and you go, hey, that was fun, and then three years later you go, oh, that's the day I discovered I really liked... Peanut butter. Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely like not that. for you. Yeah, definitely not for me. I don't me. know what you were going to get at there. But, <laughs> but you know, I was just like, that's head. the day I discovered I really liked making radio. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. That's mm. the day I decided that I discovered that, like, I am terrified of, I don't know. The truth. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was actually talking about this not too long ago, like, before um, when having some drinks, um, where, like, I'm really into cars, but when I was little, I wasn't, because, like, my dad works in motorsport, Mm. and it's that kind of thing of, you don't want to be into what your parents are into, (laughs) Um, and it wasn't until I found my own, like, sort of niche in the car culture that was like, oh, I like this, and that was through playing Need for Speed Underground 2. And the thing that really made me be like, oh, yeah, I want to be into cars, like cars are cool, was I was modifying one of the cars and my dad walked in and goes, what the bloody hell have you done to that? It looks like a piece of shit. Yeah, it's just like a, yeah, this is my thing. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Like really experimenting for yourself. Yeah. And doing something else for yourself. And like it took me a while to actually properly get into cars. Um, and I think owning my own car has really helped with that because, you know, I get to work on it myself. Um, sometimes my dad helps me with it. If it's stuff where I need to use the hoist at his work. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'll let you help me and... Yeah, and even then it's just like if I get an apprenticeship, it'll be like, no, come to my work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you swear there. (laughs) (laughs) 
If you guys out there have an opinion on identity or changing identity or when you come into your own, you can hit us up on Tumblr, thenaughtyrudeshow.tumblr.com forward slash ask. You can ask us any questions, give us any comments, what you think identity is and that kind of thing. Uh, coming up, we have got a quirky little segment. We're going to hit up pickup lines. This will be a fun one. We've got a couple up our sleeve that we're going to throw out at you. Ooh, yeah. That is Let the Music Play by Barry White. Now, I want to ask you. An angel just fell out of the sky and landed here in your body. Do you want to go on a date? <laughs> we are going to be talking about dirty, nasty, good, bad, everything pickup lines. If you've got any that you want to hit us up with, you can access us on the naughty rude show.tumblr.com forward slash ask. You can shoot us some filthy pickup lines if you like. Or some good... Actually, you could even hit us up with some ones that have worked on you. If you've actually been out on a date uh, where somebody has used one and you said actually it's filthy but I love it I've got another one for you oh no is your body from McDonald's what because I'm loving it oh Oh, so cringeworthy thank you Sarah for that she sent that one in slightly greasy and Ooh, fairly cheap and unpleasant. Slightly greasy. <laughs> Good pun there. I love that. So greasy. Throw a chicken nugget in there and a burger and I'm yours. <laughs> oh, I was talking about this with someone the other night about, like, would you let someone, like, put sauce in your belly button and dip, dip a chicken a nugget. nugget into it? Yes. And then seductively eat it, though. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> if I came home from a night out, had a chicken nug left on the way, like, once we got home, n- rare occasion, <laughs> even from, like, 20-pack, I would, yes. Yes. Oh. That's, okay, that's doing things for me. Stop it. Uh, I'm going to hit you up with another one to get you in the mood. Are you a contortionist? Because I'd like to put you in my box. <laughs> Thanks Oof. from that's from Bella. Thanks for sending that one in. These are truly awful. Do you have you guys I, had um, a pickup line used on you or a, I, I don't want to say against you, but like, <laughs> it's true. I, I've got a good story about one. Um, so it was a person on Tinder who had in their bio something about like let's go on a milkshake date, something like that. Yeah. And I've just replied with, I'm lactose intolerant, but I can stare at you while you drink a milkshake. Ooh, straight back at him. But they wouldn't like the... Yeah, that's kind of backhanded. I kind of like it. Mm, um, somehow worked and we then... Um, really? Yeah, somehow. I was not expecting a successful story from that. Yeah, um, and then I forgot to reply. And turns out that they... um. They go to uni and they're a good friend with one of my partners now, so that's a bit awkward. <laughs> it's like, I haven't met them yet, but it, I'm going to walk in with a milkshake and just be like, here you go. That's a good one. I like it. Do you, I think that Tinder and Bumble and all those dating apps, they're really good. You know, you've really got to like your one-liners. For like, I think mm. that they're a really good way to... Because I think the first part of the conversation is whether you you're going to pursue that 
or yeah. not, if it's good conversation. So I think a good way of hitting it off is with a really bad pickup line. Because then, yeah. you know, if you get a giggle, that's something. Yeah. Better going, hey. I, I don't like a first hey. If I get a hey on Tinder, it's like, yeah. it's just like you're put, hot, but yeah, stop. Put some effort in. Like, yeah. It's Where's like when, when you go on a... from heaven line? Yeah, it's like when you're at a bar, like... You know, and you see someone, you're like, oh, yeah. You don't just go, like, you don't just, like, tap on the shoulder and go, hi. Hey. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Go, oh, can I buy you a drink? Like, you know, you're gorgeous oh, yeah. or something like I that. I love the way that you were dancing before. Yeah. I, th- I think there's a big difference between a pickup line that's um, kind of, there's the pickup line where it's the, here's something I copy and pasted from Google. Like this one. Then- <laughs> Call me Shrek. Because I'm head ogre heels for you. Wow, bounce I was really hoping that would have something to do with layers. But then there's like <laughs> there's then there's the like super well thought out and like in context one. Or like science yeah, like the ones. one. Yeah, or um so got another tender one. Um so person mentioned that if uh, you buy them sour worms, they'll love you forever. And I really like jelly snakes, so I hit them with, I'll buy you sour worms and you can buy me jelly snakes. Oh, an exchange. Yeah. An exchange of information. Nice, <laughs> I like it. I like snakes, you better get that detail correct if we're going to meet up again. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and then like, kind of in between the two, I think there's the, oh, I tried to put effort in, but I'm not witty enough to actually get this right. Like this one. You know what's on the menu? Me and you. <laughs> menu, oh, me, oh, so and you. <laughs> That's it. That's done. <laughs> or science ones. Do you have... A, I don't get this one because I don't know science. Do you have 11 protons because you're sodium fine? <laughs> I assume wow. the sodium has 11 <laughs> protons. That's... Whoa! Terrible. That's the kind of pickup line you'd hear at my high school. Eight. Like, my high school was just full of science nerds. Like, it's literally, like, a science school. Um, I love yeah. these. I'm just reading pickup lines. These are great. We need a whole... Just, let's just sit here and read pickup lines. Are you sure you're not a parking fine? Because you've got fine written all over you. Cringeworthy. I'd give it a 2 out of 10. <laughs> I'm going to have to ask you to leave. You're making the other girls look bad. Oh, that's that. Get out. Get out. <laughs> Do you guys think that a pickup line would work on you if it was well thought out and if it's strategically planned? For me, it's more if it's just really bad, but also like relevant. Okay, so it has to be have relevance. I agree with yeah, that. Has yeah. had, and context. Yeah, and Context then but like, if, and then it just has to be the worst thing ever, and I'll laugh so much. I'm like, all right, I'll give you a chance. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's it's got to have that that level of effort though. Like I've gotten multiple occasions the trying to make a joke out of the cheesy '70s rock song Evie, and it's just like, oh, that'd be funny. But one, I've heard it before, and two, nobody has successfully made a pickup line with that song that I got that mm. was coherent. Like, if, if you can impress me with a, a pickup line to do with the 1970s hit rock ballad, Evie, 
uh, hit us up on the Tumblr. <laughs> yeah, nottyroadshow.tumblr.com slash ask. We want to hear your pick worst pickup pick lines. <laughs> oh, here we have some t- statistics about success rates for pickup lines. So if you really want to pick up via a line, look, I don't suggest it, but if you go, you know, on, you're on Tinder and you want to hit someone up, if you go, hey, what's up, 4% success rate, get out, get out of town. <laughs> But if you hit them up with a two truths, one lie, ready, set, go, 31% success rate. So get out with Mm. those ones or asking basic questions like Sunday priorities, priorities, I can't even talk today, exercise, sleep or aggressive mimosas, 24% success rate. So maybe, hey, what's up? Sub that for, you know, a better pickup line, a well thought out contextual one and you might score. You never know. Yeah, the successful ones seem to a lot of the time they're just kind of starting a discussion. Yeah, you know, yeah, so. a little quirky fun thing. Yeah, snakes or gummy worms, you know that sort of thing. Yeah, sour worms. Uh, right ne- up next, we'll be talking about friendships and fights and navigating those difficult waters. But in the meantime, this is "Would You Be Impressed" by Streetlight Manifesto. You're listening to the Naughty Root Show on Sin Nation with Dana, Abby, and Evie. Hey, that was um, one and a half plays of uh, Would You Be Impressed by Streetlight Manifesto, who are a band I am super excited to go see tomorrow night. Um, but where, yeah, so, where are they on it? Uh, you are listening to the Naughty Road Show on Sin Nation. <laughs> and I nearly called that Loud and Queer for a moment, and I've completely lost track of where I am. But you can catch Loud and Queer on Sundays on Sin Nation too, if you want to tune in. Yes, mm. you're, you're a couple of hours late. <laughs> but next Sunday, you're on it. But um, we are going to be talking about, like, when your friends are fighting, and you're kind of forced into a situation where you either have to take sides or... You know, maybe end up mediating the whole situation. Yes, picture this. You're on a big ship and you're navigating the friendship waters and you don't really know which channel to take. That's where we're at. Have you ever been in a yep. situation? You can let us know. Hit us up about your situation and ask any questions. You can find us on the naughtyroodshow.tumblr.com forward slash ask. But as we are on this big ship, you have a story, Evie, when you were navigating these tricky waters. So one of the things that kind of comes with being polyamorous is that you date people who are friends with each other. Like, just kind of happens. Like, oh, I'm dating this person. They introduced me to this person. Oh, I'm dating that person too. And then sometimes they stop being friends. And... You know, if that's a bit of a volatile situation, which it was for me in this case, it is a very difficult thing to not just kind of be like, oh, I want to fix all of this and go back to my perfect happy families. Mm, How did you navigate it? I, yeah, that was a very difficult decision because it was kind of a, do I try and fix this? What's overstepping? What's not kind of comfortable? And I kind of realised... I'm not comfortable with this because you're both people dating. I'm, yeah, and kind of had to draw that line quite a few times where it was just the, no, look, you're dragging me into this. Like, I... 
am not going to be mediating this situation because I value my relationships with both of you and So you decided that you wouldn't mediate at all, but you still maintain those two relationships. Yeah. You're my partner, you're somebody that I love. I wanna sit with you and do normal things and chill and whatever else without having to negotiate your communications or miscommunications with another one of my partners. Yeah, it's kind of, it's a tricky thing where it's just like a, oh, I want to fix all of this, but it's just like... You get stuck in the middle. And also it was just something where I kind of sat there like, I've done this before. I can't. You shouldn't be friends. Like, (laughs) it's ultimately a huge chunk of it. It was a, you had terrible friends. I don't want to, <laughs> like, you know, I love you both, but honestly, good. You both just <laughs> need to deal with the fact that you're not very good for each other. Move so on. did they accept that and that you wouldn't mediate for them any longer? Yeah, and just like... And they respected you know, that decision? Yeah, because it was, like, that was something that they both, you know, were kind of aware about on a like on a conscious level just like that oh no that's not very fair like yeah. you shouldn't be the one who has to deal with this but on a subconscious level you're still going to end up like pushing for things where you're just like hang on that's not cool like you, you know because it might seem very natural to just be like oh yeah I still haven't heard from this person like can you like send a message on to them and it's just like no no, no I can't I am not your mm. little carrier pigeon I'm not I should not I shan't yeah I shan't <laughs> and it is it is a really difficult thing because like when do you take sides and when do you mediate and when do you yeah, just I think go, that's this a, isn't my job. That's an important mm. thing to identify. Like, when do you need to be the soundboard for someone and just have someone to listen? I know with a lot of my girlfriends, they're the soundboard for me and, you know, I'm for them. And, they, you know, when you come home from work and you've had a shit day and all you need yeah, to do is, like, you need yeah, to download yeah. about the weekend and he said this to me and I said that to him and I'm just really emotional about it. And then you just need someone to listen. Yeah. So yeah. it's just that sort of situation. But it's when, when do you identify that they just need to have a chat and then when do you identify that okay I need to stand up and do something about this and I've been in situations where um, I can be that person for someone that if they just need a vent that's fine Mm. often I um, hate to say this but I think of other things while they're just chatting because I just know that it's Mm. one of those times that they just need to like a 45 minute conversation about and I've already heard it like last weekend but it's fine so mm. I feel like I'm venting now. <laughs> no, but, um, but then there's other situations where it's a very serious um, situation where you need to step in and maybe we had a situation where a friend of ours was not being... She was being a bitch. She just <laughs> was excluding. I say a bitch because she was excluding and I don't think that is right. She mm. was excluding um, certain people from events and that kind of thing of our whole friendship group and that's where you really need to step up and be proactive in the situation and that's when I think you need to defend a friend. So if mm. you're having... whether Yeah, I think you need to be able to identify whether you just need to be that person that needs to listen or they're telling you something that you need and really should be expected to action, especially if it's to do with someone's safety, whether their yeah, personal safety yeah. or their mental health. I think that's really mm. important to identify and know when you, you need to sort of action something. Yes. Mm. Yeah. It's it's interesting too when you kind of see the effects that 
things can have on you know, your wider social circles. Mm-hmm. Like everyone knew that kind of group of friends in high school where it was just like, the, oh, these two people fought and then the whole group was split in two and then everybody's at each other's throats. But then, you know, I had the experience in high school where it was like, hey, there's two people in my, you know, friendship group uh, fighting with each other over something and, oh, no, everybody just thinks that they're being really fickle and, like, wants to just continue to be friends with both of them and so they've just kind of been forced to, you know, negotiate things between themselves and work things out between themselves just because it was a... Oh, it's either this or go find new friends. And mm. it is very interesting how the how, how different that same situation can go because it's just like ultimately the conflict itself is different. And yeah, I think that's a huge part of it too. It's just that is this something where I have to step in because somebody's doing something really, really terrible and unpleasant, or is it something where yeah, this is personal disagreement, and that's something you know. I think people should try and deal with on their own. Like it's it is really tricky. Or what if we take this on a different turn and say that you uh, have a friend who comes to you with something, an issue, but you mm. don't necessarily agree with them. You agree with the other party. Yeah, and that's mm. it's a tr- tricky call to make. Sometimes it's like, yeah, you should be really honest. Just straight up. Oh yeah, they're right. Because, but also that might that that I've been in situations where yes, I've done that, and then that really gets your friends back up. That I can't Mm. confide in you. You know, you're meant to be on my side. Yeah, Mm. and that's why it's important to kind of know when to make that call. Because sometimes it's just a oh, well, no, I'll hear you out. Yeah, here's where I'm at. Sometimes you can kind of get to that point over time. Sometimes it's a yeah. Well, do you think? You misread that? Oh, you know, like, you just kind of introduce things slowly to to you can kind of get to the point of, like, yeah, I think you completely misunderstood this person. Or, oh, I think you're, you know, putting a bit of undue emphasis on something where it's just like, yeah, you're not just straight up saying, yeah, they're right, you're wrong. Like, where you're actually slowly Mm. bringing them to that conclusion. Or helping them... That's a good point. Yeah. Helping them realise something on their own without yes. saying it explicitly. Yeah. So baby mm. steps towards maybe the truth they need to see. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's important yeah. for anything. I don't really have uh, much to say on this topic because I've never really experienced, other than, like, just primary school, like, pe- two people dating, sort of. It's, it's still primary school, so it's... It's more kind of just that thing of like, oh, this is what grown-ups do, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, because as I said earlier, I went to a really small school. Um, so it was like, everyone was the friend group. So then when these two people broke up, it was like, well, nobody wants to not be the friend group anymore because the friend group cannot like cease to exist because we're always in class together. Yeah. We're always <laughs> at lunch together. And... So they just kind of had to be in the friend group and just kind of not talk to each other for a couple of months. And <laughs> and then yeah, one yeah. gives a peace offering of the sandpit toy. <laughs> 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 yeah, they seem a, a lot uh, less uh, lesser troubles back in those times, huh? I'm yeah. sure by year six it would have been uh, yeah, a Yu-Gi-Oh card. Beyblade. 
Oh, Beyblades! Oh, better bring that one up. <laughs> oh, Beyblades. Yep. So so many. Oh, they got banned at so many schools. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and but that's for another day. Got a question? Hit us up at the naughtyrudeshow.tumblr.com forward slash ask. Welcome back to the Naughty Rude Show with Evie, Abby and Dana. You are on Sin Nation. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to apologise. That was called Oceanographer's Choice. I did say Videographer's Choice before that little song by Mountain Goats. And then we had I'd Be Lost by Sarah Blasco. I can feel this tension. We are going to be chatting about all things sexual tension. But first of all, we're going to have a little bit of chat, a bit of a chat about how each of us does define sexual tension. I think that it is a feeling of yumminess in your tummy and a bit of fire in your eyes when you meet somebody. I think you need to have that sort of spark and that's what I'd say sexual tension is and you want to feel like you want to jump them i reckon Mm. that's pretty important evie what do you reckon oh i'm i'm struggling to draw a line between what is all that person's hot and what what is sexual tension for me because like i feel like sexual tension needs to be reciprocated yeah but it's not it's not like openly flirting it's like it's it's like Oh, kind of like there's the the tacit acknowledgement when it's like somebody who you really shouldn't flirt with, but you want to and they want to, mm. and there's like there's something going on between this, you know. What do you mean by you shouldn't? Like, yeah, you know, if it's somebody you work with, for example, where you're just like, I don't want to. So does that mean know, sexual tension in your definition can only exist between two people who shouldn't flirt? Uh, that's always been my experience, or it, okay, it's not necessarily a shouldn't. Sometimes it's just a, yeah, for whatever reason they're not. Hmm. Yeah, it's not the place, it's not the time, uh, they don't feel like it right now, but like they really could go it in the future. <laughs> um, yeah, one thing I know a lot of polyamorous people experience is the, yeah, but I'm already dating seven people. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, where you just kind of like you'll like with that like yeah you will kind of idly flirt and then just kind of be like in the back of your head it's just like this can't go anywhere. Mm. Yeah, that's fair enough, Abby. Yeah, for me, uh, it's always been like the times when I've experienced it's always been the kind of thing of having the anxiety of being like, oh, I'm not sure if this person has the same feelings or wants this date to go to like this down this path. So I'm just not going to say anything, even though I really want to say anything. But I don't know if this person feels the same way. So I'm just going to sit there and not do anything because anxiety. Yeah, interesting. So I reckon it's something that is instant, Mm. in my opinion, and it's that feeling that you get of excitement and flirtation Mm. about pursuing... I think it's the start of pursuing something further. And I do think it needs to be reciprocated. Yeah. To be able to feel it, the the same energy. Yeah, for it to count as tension. Like, tension has to be between two things. (laughs) Mm. Scientifically correct. (laughs) 
Speaking of uh, correct and definitions, our producer has some definitions for us. Yes. So, Wikipedia says... Sexual tension is a social phenomenon that occurs when two individuals interact and one or both feel sexual desire, but the consummation is postponed or never happens. Mm. Ooh. Yeah. Or never happens. Thanks, Jules. <laughs> Do you want to know Urban Dictionary? Yes. Of course. My fave. Sexual tension is when your Pokemon card collection has become too big to hide from your girlfriend. I can feel the tension. <laughs> uh, good old Urban Dictionary. Always just... Always a curveball in the... <laughs> some really uh, good definitions of some yeah. interesting things you never thought existed. Well, I think it's interesting that it said that something that didn't... Ev- what was it? Like something that didn't eventuate or never will. Mm. Yeah. That kind so of, it's I that before. It's the first step. It's it's not the. Does that, does that mean something? Sexual tension can't be there after you have done the dirty. I <laughs> think it can, but in a different kind of context of yeah. like, you know, bringing in a new kink where it's like, it is something different. It's changing the. Experience. So it's new. Yeah. It's mm. still so it like it still that comes back to that thing where it has to. It's something new. Yeah. Like, yeah. Something unexplored, maybe. Mm, Yeah. It's one of those things where I'm even trying to think of, like, when have I, like, felt sexual tension? And it's it's something where I'm like, it's so hard to nail down. It is hard, isn't it? I'm just kind of thinking, like, oh, yeah, like, you know, there was the, um, you know, years and years and years ago now, like, somebody who I was friends with's partner at the time, where it was just like... Oh, we came kind of close to flirting a couple of times, and we can't, like, we're not actually going to do that because, like, you're my friend's partner, and we both, like, care about this person and don't want to, you know, like, like, you're in a monogamous relationship. Mm. But, like, yeah, also, this is a new relationship, and you're still, like, very, oh, I want to flirt with people, and I'm still very, oh, you're a new person I'm meeting, and I want to flirt with you, and, like, we caught each other off guard a couple of times. Like, I guess I'd describe that as sexual tension, and also it's like a, yeah, that kind of works with the, hey, yeah, that's something that could never really be a thing. Hmm. Well, then do you think that there's we have a sexual tension in relationships? Hmm. Or is that when it's done <laughs> and dusted? Is it the initial? Yeah, I'm just like, you've, got, you've just got sexual compatibility. Yeah, almost, maybe it's a it's different a, sort of sexual... Yeah, it's like, you can yes. still be like oh, yeah, I really want to do this thing with this person, except it's more of a, I'm going to I'll talk I know to this that person I'm gonna do about this doing thing. this thing. Gonna yeah. go it's going to happen, we're going to do tonight. this thing. Yeah, it definitely depends on how comfortable you are talking about that sort of stuff with your partner anyway. Like, if you're, you know, like there's this new thing that you want to try, but you're not very open with sexual stuff or even, like, just going doing something different for a date it could be like because mm. you know dates can bring along sexual tension because it's like ooh um that's an interesting little thing about too is it's just like that that feeling when you're on a really good date and you're just like oh I I really want to like go go somewhere with this when we get home mm. like is that sexual tension or is that something else because I think that's sexual I tension I feel I like they're very similar feelings exciting yeah. Possibility. Hmm. Hmm. What if it's not 
pursuit. Like that, I think that's interesting. That notion of maybe sexual tension exists, and if it's not acted upon, does that mean the next time you're going to see them, that you're going to have that? Or what happens when it dissipates and they're Maybe there is no sexual tension after a while. Maybe you get to know someone and that not, you don't act upon it and that sexual tension disappears. Is yeah. that necessarily yeah. a bad thing? I, that's definitely a thing that happens. It's not really such a bad thing. Like, especially like, with poly people, like, it could be a new part, like, some, like a partner's partner and you meet them for the first time and you're just like oh, I can see why my partner likes you kind of thing. And then, like, it'll go, it goes away because you're just like, well, that's my partner's partner. Don't yeah. really want to deviate to that and sort of thing. Mm. And, you know, then you become good friends. And, like, yep. yeah. Like, it does, sexual tension doesn't always need to lead to, a, like, a romantic or sexual relationship. Yep. It can lead to just a normal friendship. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's very true. I think it's also something where, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of circumstance. Sometimes it'll be, I'm really, I'm really sexual at the moment, and this person clearly is as well, and we've both just met each other, and we're on the same kind of wavelength, thinking about the same thing, mm. and something's getting in the way, and we're just kind of like, you know, like on the verge of flirty, but not quite there. And then the next time you see them, it's just a... Oh, I'm not in that place anymore. They're not in that place anymore. Hey, how you going? You're cool. Yep. And then you just move on. And hmm. It's not really a thing anymore. Like, and sometimes it's just quite fun to have yeah. those flirty little moments with someone and have yeah. that little bit of electricity. Yeah. And then give yourself a little bit of a confidence boost and go home alone and just be like, yeah, I killed it out there tonight. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I think that's very important. I think that's a brilliant way to wrap up the show. Mm-hmm. If you did miss anything tonight and wanted to catch up, you can catch us on uh, Omni, Spotify, iTunes, um, or your favourite app where you listen to all your podcasts, or sin.org.au. Look us up, The Naughty Rude Show. Um, and, you know, as always, keep sending us questions. We can look at them during the week and answer them next week. Um, so you can do that on the Tumblr, which is thenaughtyrudeshow.tumblr.com slash ask. This has been the Naughty Roots Show on Sin Nation. Tune in next Sunday night from 8. Thanks for joining us, everybody. 